Today's lesson is from Proverbs, and we're going to be looking at chapters 23 through uh, and 24. The title of the lesson is Thoughts for Living, and it goes back to uh, the, the scripture reading today from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, and really the entirety of scripture is of, excuse me, of the, the entirety of the Proverbs are that when you find wisdom, you find life. And these Proverbs share a multitude of wisdom, a multitude of sayings about wisdom and how to live. So today's lesson is just thoughts for living. Uh, and I have a list of eight things. Uh, the list certainly could be much, much, much longer based upon the Proverbs. But we're just going to highlight a few of these and just consider them uh, a few examples of the wise sayings of Proverbs and just challenge us to consider the Proverbs and then live by those Proverbs to live according to God's wisdom and thereby to have life to the full. So number one, we're going to begin with Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from the cons your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. So for this first one, I uh, have... You know, these Proverbs are just wonderful statements full of, of thought, and they're very picturesque in how they um, create an image of us, what we need to learn. Uh, but I take it and I just uh, make it much, much more boring, but more, perhaps more succinct, and just to get the thought across to us to make sure we grasp what the Proverbs is saying better than what I probably have on this outline. But number one, don't put your trust in stuff. Don't put your trust in things. Wealth, Jesus called it mammon. You don't put your faith in that. You put your trust, you put your faith in God. So number one, don't put your trust in stuff. The next verse is from 23.10. And this is a really interesting one to me, and I'm only going to read verse 10, but um, it says, do not move the ancient boundary. Or go into the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their case against you. So in this thought, this idea of don't move the ancient boundary, it, you know, when, when the land was decided upon and boundaries were set, um, there would have been landmarks that had been placed there to make sure everybody knew where their property ended and where the next person's started. And the instruction is to don't move the ancient boundary. And in the context, it's somebody trying to steal from somebody else. They're going to move the boundary to make to take somebody else's land. In particular, um, in, re, in the case of the fatherless, and I, you know, the scripture also often talks about the fatherless and the widows. You don't take advantage of others. You don't steal from them. Don't move the ancient boundary. There was an ancient boundary, a rock or a tree planted or something long ago that set the boundary for their property, for their, for their land. Uh, and for somebody to move that, that'd just be outright stealing. And I, 
I really, I, that's a good thought. But for us, uh, if I can stretch that out and just expound upon it a little bit, because when ancient things are set, it's saying that they, not, they ought not be moved. Boundaries on land are one thing, and I just want us to consider today that a lot of other things were set in old times also. Scripture was established long ago. The Word of God was established long ago, and it should be an ancient boundary for us, and we ought not to go to, to mess with it, to move it one way or the other, to take away or add to it. Let's not move ancient boundaries. When you think about all that's happening in the world today, there are so many things that are, that are being messed with, things that, you know, when you think about marriage, when you think about uh, just gender, these things are not things to be messed with or changed. There is a boundary that has been set by God and established from the very beginning. God has established things that ought not to be moved. We ought not move them. Don't move the ancient boundary. So number one, don't put your trust in stuff and don't move the ancient boundary. Now on to chapter 23, verses 13 through 14. <clears throat> Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. So this idea that's here, I just put, don't withhold discipline from a child. Um, we've been in the grocery store, out and about somewhere, or perhaps even in church, where you can see somebody that discipline has been withheld. And when you hear discipline in, this, in the context of this scripture, it makes us think automatically of spanking or, you know, this, this idea of putting them in line physically. And that's just a part of discipline. But the thought is just training a child training a child. Don't withhold that training from a child. And this is a difficult thing. But the wisdom that we learn here is that we ought not withhold discipline from a child. We are doing them a, a very severe disservice if we withhold discipline. And if you'll pause with me just for a second, I want to see if we need any examples of discipline. Everybody good out there in the living room? You guys acting right? You listening good? Okay. All right. I heard a yep from out there. I think we're doing okay today. No, no discipline needed. But when you think about children who are able to sit through church, man, you talk about training that has to take place for a long time. It is hard. It's not easy. But once you train a child the way they should go, what a beautiful thing it is when they can then learn to discipline themselves. And when, you, when they can then discipline themselves, it, it, keeps, it rescues their soul from death, from the grave, from Sheol. So let's not withhold discipline from children. Moving on to uh, the next one, number four. Uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 26 through 28. And that is, um, I think I've got it right on your outline. I've got it wrong in my notes in front of me. But we're going to be looking at verses 20 and 21. Uh, 20 and 21 are still in chapter 23. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. And drowsiness will clothe one with rags. 
Now, the previous passage was about us disciplining children. This passage is about us having discipline with ourselves. Don't, and, and sometimes it, I mean, these, when you think about drinking and eating, it is, it is hard to discipline ourselves. Um, you know, we've seen people in our lives and, and we know people who have struggled with alcohol in preparing this, uh, this lesson. Jerry told me that his family has a long history of, of alcoholics. I've seen it in my family, you know, but the, the idea of once somebody gets caught up in that and their life, you know, they become a heavy drinker of alcohol. It is, it is such a hard thing to overcome. Make sure you establish the discipline to stay away from heavy drinkers, to wait, stay away from gluttonous eaters, because once we do, these are hard disciplines. And so we ought to be very careful of who we are putting ourselves around. Don't put yourself in a situation where it's going to be difficult for you, because we know that, that friends have a great influence on us. And uh, we don't want to uh, we don't want to be influenced by our friends, but we want to be an influence on them. So don't be with heavy drinkers of alcohol. And I changed it from wine, and the scripture it said wine. But man, there are so many forms of alcohol now. It's not just wine that's tempting, and so many forms of alcohol are even more uh, more detrimental to our health. So please be careful. Watch yourself around uh, those who eat and make sure you develop the self-discipline of eating in moderation. And that is something I would say in the United States, boy, we, we struggle with that one. It is hard for me to stop eating. So be careful with that. You want to live wisely. You want to live. This is godly instruction. Don't be with heavy drinkers. Don't be with gluttonous eaters. Number five. Uh, now we can go to verses uh, 26 through 28. And it says in this passage, Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit, and an adulterous woman is a narrow well. Surely she lurks as a robber and increases the faithless among men. So consider this, men. And this one is, I direct it more towards men, the scripture does, and I think this is something that, that we as men struggle with more, is lust. And so let us consider men to delight in God. We must find our delight in God. We must find our delight in his instructions. And to add another verse to this, another thought, we're going to delight ourselves in our, in our wife, delight in your wife, not the harlot. Um, back to chapter 5, verse number 18, I want to add this verse. And then the verses before and after it are talking about this, the same concept. But in verse number 18 of chapter 5, it says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. So marriage, one man, one woman for life. And it's interesting, even as we, if you haven't read today's scripture that we're at, now we're in this Song of Solomon, uh, or the Song of Songs, and it's really interesting to consider uh, the, you know, the wonderful uh, marriage that God has provided, one man, one woman for, for life, and, and you can consider that, that passage kind of giving uh, the beauty 
of that kind of uh, that kind of marriage. Just one man, one woman for life, a man and a woman who both delight in God and delight in his ways and delight in one another. So men in particular, make sure you stay in the way that God has provided. Delight in God, his instructions, and your wife. So just real quick recap of what we said so far. Don't put your your trust in stuff. Put your trust in God. Don't move the ancient boundary. Don't withhold discipline from a child. Don't be with heavy drinkers of alcohol or gluttonous eaters of meat. Men, delight in God, his instruction, and your wife, not the harlot. Now on to uh, number six, a little bit of a repeat, but a little bit of a uh, some more uh, thought and structure to what we've already stated with number, number four. But stay away from alcohol. Verse, starting in verse number 29 to the end of that chapter, it's, it's a sad description of the way um, when somebody becomes an abuser of alcohol, how sad that situation. But just look at verses 31 and 32. The warning that is here. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. And oh, how many people, and this isn't true of everybody, but oh, how many people have fallen victim to the wine, uh, the alcohol of any form. And folks, the wisdom of God says, be very, very cautious. And I, I look at this passage and I, I look at it and I hear it saying, just, just stay away, just stay away. There is um, there are some possibilities for like medicinal uses, and I'm not going to say that that's wrong. We have medicines, and there's nothing wrong with medicines unless they're abused. And that's the same way that it is with alcohol. Do not abuse it. And if you don't need it, stay away from it. Number seven, chapter 24. We're going to turn the Turn to the next chapter, and I want to read verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And yeah, it's talking about a house. But is a house a house uh, in this passage? Well, we're talking about the family. We're talking about a godly family. And a godly family that is built on the wisdom of God is a rich family. A family that, that they might not have a lot of possessions. Um, they might be a very simple family and how they live and what they have. But if they, have, they follow God's instruction, they follow his ways, then they are rich. A rich family is one that has godly wisdom. So please, families, build, build your house, build your home, build your family on the ways of God. And lastly, number eight. I want to read verses 11 and 12. And uh, for those of us who have, who have gone through this uh, 
the reading of the Proverbs here recently, when I read this, my mind was taken back to uh, the, the, the Nazi times, I think of Nazi Germany, when so many people were being loaded onto trains and being uh, delivered to their death, you know, ultimate death for most of them or many of them in concentration camps and then the gas chambers and just such awful things that happened. And how many people just stood by idly and watched that happen, watched people going to their deaths. And I thought of that as, as I looked at these verses. And so verses 11 and 12 of chapter 24. Deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does not he consider it who weighs the hearts? And does not he know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his work. You know, there might have been those folks back in those days uh, in Nazi Germany when they really didn't realize what was going on, but I think there came a point in time where everybody knew that these people were being delivered to their death. You know, and, and we are responsible for what we know. Those folks, can you imagine sitting idly by and feeling helpless to, uh, to stop something, and what would, you, what would you have done if you were back then? There were people who stood up and said no to that. If you said no to, uh, and tried to stop people from being delivered to their death, and you tried to stand up for the, the Jews that were the victims of that time, it would have required great courage, great boldness, because the fact is that, that you know that you would likely be killed also. So this was, you know, you think about that. That was a great and terrible time. And there were some people who stood up to the task. And they stood for life and they said no to ungodliness. And now we think about us. We as Christians, we as believers in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, who have the wonderful good news. The good news is that everybody on this earth can be saved through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and through faith in him, if you'd only believe in Jesus and know what he's done for you on that cross and just say, yes, I need saved, and call upon God and give your life to him and be immersed into Christ Jesus, the one who saved you, and then you could, you'd have the opportunity to be raised up to life eternal to live for him. You know, we've got that information that, that people need The good news of Jesus Christ is the information that people need to be saved from eternal death and destruction. And as we think about all those people around us who are being delivered to death, they're being taken away to death. Those people who are without Christ, we consider this passage, we are called to deliver them. It says, deliver those who are being taken away to death And those who are staggering to slaughter, people are staggering through this life, and they're walking dead people because they have not Christ. Oh, hold them back. When's the last time you you grabbed somebody and said, I want to hold you back from death. I I don't want you to die. I don't want you to have eternal death awaiting you when you die. 
You know, and you think about that song that we sing on occasion, you never mentioned him to me. God is the one who, and because that verse number 12, it's the danger for us is that, that when we save others, you will save yourself. And if we don't save others, we will be not saving ourselves. Listen to the danger here that if we have the good news of Jesus and we're not sharing it, then we aren't going to receive salvation ourselves. If you say, see, we did not know this. Can any of us say that? Can we say, oh, I didn't know that people would die if they didn't know Jesus. We all know this. Does he not consider it? Does God not consider it? Who weighs the heart? This is talking about God. He's the one who weighs hearts. Does not he know it who keeps your soul? This is God. He knows it. And will he not render to man according to his work? Listen, God has done something for us. If he has saved us, we're called to do for others what God has done for us. We need to lead others to the truth. We will save. If we save others, we will be saving ourselves according to this proverb. And it is true for us as it was back then when it was written. Save others, and you will save yourself. We know the truth, and it might require some boldness and some courage, and in fact, it might put us in harm's way or danger, just like it did to those uh, to the to the Germans who stood up for um, to, to the Jews. And they stood up for the Jews against the Nazi and said no to this. You know, boldness, courage. It's about believing in something that's more important than your own life. And Scripture shows that, that with a great and wonderful example of Paul in particular. He was putting himself at great risk in order to save souls. He didn't care about his life in relationship to sharing the gospel. He was, if he cared more about his life than the gospel, he never would have shared it. And we probably wouldn't know about Jesus today. So God has done much for us. He has saved us. Let us be courageous and bold and speak the truth that is willing, that is able to save others. So you've got this list, and there are seven things that are just very practical and wise on how to live. And we got this eighth thing that is just a great challenge for us spiritually. How are we going to live? Are we going to live according to these things? Are we going to follow it and practice the things that are laid out for us in the word of life? The challenge is there for you. Take this list, whether you're going to be able to see it on your phone, whether you need to print it out or whatever. But review the list at the beginning of your day so you can be reminded of what's important each and every day. And and then pray about it. And then at the end of the day, go back and look at the list again and read it, review it, and pray about it. How have you done? What do you need to change? What do I need to change tomorrow? That's the challenge. Because this this word, just looking at these eight things that I've kind of cherry-picked out of the, the scriptures here, they're just wonderful words of life. So let's live by them. Let's pray about it and pray for God to give us courage and strength and wisdom and let him give us the words we need to share the words of life with others. The invitation today is extended to that if there's anybody out there who needs the prayers of the church, 
If you want us to pray for you, we will pray specific for, specifically for you. Let me know. Call me. Contact somebody else. Whatever you need to do. Save yourself so you can save others. But all, the invitation is also here for anybody out there who is not a Christian. You've never given your life to Jesus. The call for you is to find, if, if you know everything you need to know about Christ, then you need to let him save you. You can't save yourself. You're a mess. You're a wreck. You have sinned. You have fallen short, just like we all have. And you need to just give your life, surrender your life to Jesus. Call upon him. I need you to save me, dear God. And that way, and that's how you save yourself, is surrendering to by God. It's not you saving yourself, but it's you surrendering, surrendering to God so you can be saved. So consider that. You need to save yourself. And there's a, a reason for it beyond even your own life. You need to save yourself so then you can turn to others and say, look what God has done for me. I want to help you receive the same thing. I want you to have eternal life. I want you to be filled with fullness in your life. I want you to have springs of life flowing within you. I want you to know Christ Jesus, to know the one who gave life to you. So consider this. If you need to respond in any way, the invitation is there to believers, to those who need to give their life to Jesus. Act today and do it today. If you need to respond, get a hold of me or somebody else. And this song is to encourage you in doing that.